Second John chapter number one. I've often quoted this, but I never, as far as I know, I've never brought a message on what I'm about to share with you tonight. Second John chapter number one, verse number eight. The Bible says, look unto yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. As I was looking at this verse of scripture, um, most Bible believers and Bible scholars, they believe this is talking about that a Christian can gain reward, but because of some things in their life that they're not willing to uh, to get right. They, a lot of I know a lot of preachers tonight that when I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about a, a good friend of mine that I pastored for many years, and he was a good friend. And, uh, tonight he's no longer in church and he's working up job somewhere and then part time now he's playing music in a in bars and stuff. And I thought about him how he helped other churches and helped my family personally. Uh, but tonight he's he's going to lose a lot of reward. And uh, we have to understand that we have to be careful when we preach to others. Eyes. We won't become a castaway ourselves. And so. He talks about here to look to yourselves, in other words, gauge your own life, see, judge your own selves, that we lose not those things which we've wrought, but that we receive a full reward. There's quite a, I, I guess I put a, a caption on this, are you a loser, or how not to be a loser. And uh, there's some languages we use sometimes that talks about losers. Uh, and I'm going to give you just a few of them. I, I, I like this. He said, you can lose your temper. Actually, you, it means you found it. <laughs> and then uh, you can lose your mind, which means you voted for a Democrat. Uh, you can lose your head. You can lose your shirt. You can lose your limbs. You can lose your eyesight, hearing, and taste due to the COVID. You can lose it, meaning a lack of self-control. When a person says, well, that guy lost it, that, what that means is they've lost self-control. There are several parables when it talks about people that has lost things. In Luke chapter number 15, no, no particular verse, but it talks about lost sheep, talks about lost coins, it talks about lost silver. And so the Bible has a lot to say about losing things. And But tonight I just want to share that you know, there's people that what we sometimes call used to be. They used to teach a Sunday school class. They used to bus, work a bus route. They used to be a soul winner. And so now they're used to be. And we have to understand some things here tonight that according to the scripture that we can lose reward that we have gained. That's what the word that we have wrought means. And as you look at, uh, and look at this verse, there's three things I want you to see. It's easy to remember because these things will start with D. So if you're writing this down again, we're going to read our text verse again. It says, now look, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. The, the, I want you to think about diligence. Diligence. Look to yourselves. In other words, again, he's talking about gauging yourself. It's talking about uh, actually uh, taking, uh, taking uh, a note of what you're doing. 
And then he, there's a danger here that we lose not those things. And then there's the light that we receive a full reward. There are some things you cannot lose. And I'm going to give you them, of course, in John chapter number 6, in verse number 39. You can't lose your salvation. Um, I was watching the other day. I, I, I like to hear the singing uh, sometimes that, that, uh, that Jimmy Swaggart has. And I've said before, I don't like to listen to his preaching because it's like eating herring. There's so many bones to pick, you can't enjoy the fish. But, I, but he's got a new book out, Eternal Security. And he's, and he's talking about that a person can lose their salvation. But I would challenge him or any other preacher to show me in the Bible where you can lose your salvation. It's not in there. There's not even a hint that you can lose your salvation. But, uh, but I'm just saying this. We, the Bible makes it very plain that the believer cannot lose their salvation. John chapter 6, verse number 39. And this, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the latter days. John 19. If you go over just a few pages, John chapter 19, this is a verse of scripture that we use many times. And I use it in leading a person to Christ to show them that they have eternal security. John chapter number 19, verses 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life. Now, if you underline, maybe you've never did this before, but underline the word eternal. And if you put it in your margin, the Greek word for eternal means life without an end. In other words, we cannot lose our salvation. And it talks about, I give unto them eternal life. And then there's a promise from God, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so these are verses of Scripture that prove to us that we cannot lose our salvation. Now that does not give us a license to, to, to sin. It really don't. In other words, we have verses of Scripture that tells us that. You know, if any man be in Christ, we looked at that, uh, the, the, that a couple of ver um, services ago, that they become new creatures. Besides that, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And, and uh, that, uh, you know, if a, if a Christian continues to, to live in sin, and the Bible said that God will take their life from them. And so we understand some things. So we can't lose our salvation. We cannot lose our standing with God. That's the next one. Look, if you would, in Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. We cannot lose our salvation. We cannot lose our standing with God. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. And have raised, raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So positionally now, of course, we're here in the body, but as far as positionally is concerned, we're, we're seated in heavenly places. In other words, that reserved seat is there. And that reserved seat, and that's one thing I like about uh, Romans, uh, Revelation chapter number 20, it talks about our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I've said this before, God didn't write it in with, 
with a pencil where he can race it out. Our, our names are written there forever. And God knows that are his, those that are his. And so we can't lose our salvation. We can't lose our standing. And by the way, we can't lose the Spirit of God. Uh, look, if you would, in Ephesians. There is some things that we can do to the Spirit of God. Uh, but the Bible said, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee in the book of Hebrews. So, and I've often said this to people who do believe that they can lose their salvation. I said, the Bible says that uh, he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so if that be the case, and that is the case, then if I would go to hell after I get saved, I'd have to take the Holy Spirit with me. And that's not going to work. And so we see that talks about, though, we cannot lose the Spirit of God. Of course, in the Old Testament, that was possible. And uh, you remember the Spirit of God left, uh, left King Saul. And, uh, and when David prayed that uh, great prayer of repentance, he said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But, uh, but in the New Testament, we have a promise from God that he would never leave us nor forsake us. But there's some things that we can do. Ephesians chapter number 4. In verse number 30. Ephesians 4.30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So when is the day of redemption? That's the redemption of the, of the body. When the rapture takes place and we're sealed to the day of redemption. And then there's some things we can do, though. We can, the Bible says there in verse number 30 that we can grieve him. And uh, it talks about we can quench him. And we can lose the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, we can fail to walk in the Spirit of God. The Bible says that walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we have to understand that there are some things that that we can lose as far as the Holy Spirit's concerned, but it's impossible to lose the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, I just want to say I'm so glad that, that God's willing to forgive us even when we fail Him. Uh, and, and I tell you what, I, I've been one of those that's failed Him many, many times. But I can just say this without any reservation at all, God has never failed me. And we have to understand, like I said before, in the Old Testament, God chose a tabernacle for his people. But in the New Testament, God's chosen a people for his tabernacle. God lives on the inside of us. And that's why I said we need to be so careful because we, we take him everywhere we go. We, he looks at everything we look at, listens to everything we look, listen to. And we can grieve him or we can quench his spirit by the things we do. And uh, let me look at what you look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. We'll be looking at a lot of verses tonight, so, but I think it help us to stay awake. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 19 and 20. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, what? There's a question mark there. He said, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? He said, that's where he lives, which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Why? 
because they're God. They belong to God. My body belongs to God. Uh, my, my spirit belongs to God. And the Bible tells us that we're sealed into the day of redemption. So what does that mean? That means that, listen, he's, he's there. And uh, I tell you what, it's, it's good to be able to pray. And, you, and I, I know you don't, we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. But it's, awful, it's an awful good feeling to know when you talk to God, he's there. And I believe there's a lot of believers that's really never experienced that where they are in tune with God and there's nothing, there's a song, nothing between me and the Savior. It's a wonderful thing to be able to, to, be able to say that, that God is leading me and God lives inside of me and God's teaching me. And there's never a time where we're saved too long that we cannot learn something. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing that when you're, when you're saved that you can pray and, and feel the presence of God. And a lot of times we fail to understand that that's a possibility. And by the way, we think that's for some folks, but not for all folks. But that's not true. He, want, he wants every one of his children to understand and realize, hey, I'm, I'm there. I'm there to help you. Help you. Notice if you went over the book of Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. And uh, notice if you would there in verse number, uh, verse number uh, 23, Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but, are also, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of the wit, the redemption of this body. He talks about, listen, this body that, and of course, most of you in here, you, you know what I'm talking about before I even say it about talking about the, about the rapture of the church. We sealed it to the day of redemption when we're called out of there and we're going to be with him in, 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 in heaven. We have to understand that the Bible says here, listen, we, we're sealed. We, we are, we, we've been adopted uh, to the wit there. It talks about it there. It talks about uh, that, that God has, has sealed us with that Holy Spirit of promise. And we can never lose him. And to, to feel the Holy Spirit moving. Uh, there, I've often prayed for the last 50 years that I would see a revival. And, and I have seen a touch of revival, but I've never seen a full revival. Um, I remember years ago when I was in missions, I went down to Kentucky. And uh, it was with Brother Durbin Spears. And uh, that, that morning, I saw God move in the most unusual way, unusual way. Um, I remember uh, Brother Jack Tripp was supposed to preach that morning, and Brother Jack Tripp was a tremendous preacher. And, uh, but the preacher got up and says, anybody have a testimony? And from that moment on, that place came unglued, I'm telling you. I saw people weep, and I saw this guy come forward, and and uh, he, he said the Lord's, he said the Lord's touching me and I, and I, but I just can't believe. The preacher told him, said, we'll go back and sit down. Another person testified here. This guy got up, walked forward again. He said, preacher, I want to be saved, but I just can't believe. He said, well, just go back and sit down again. And, and, the, and the third time he came, he said, preacher, I believe. And that old boy was so honorary and so mean to his wife that, uh, when she wanted to go to church and he was lost, he 
would unhook the battery cable to the car and, and he would take the distributor cap off and all kinds of things. And he was just so mean and hateful. But when that old boy got saved, I mean, God changed him and turned him all the way around. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God to, to, to work in our lives. And, but I mean, I tell you what, you could just feel the moving. And, and, and when that happens, you're almost afraid to move. You really are. You're afraid, man, if I just do anything, that this is going to stop. I remember talking to Brother, um, I used to talk to Brother Wood a lot. Most of you all know Brother Wood that's up in uh, Stanisville. Uh, he was an uneducated man, but he had the power of God on him. He was preaching up in Bacon Hollow, and, um, and uh, they, a great revival broke out, and I think it lasted for about a month or so. And, uh, and, and, he, and he said, listen, said, said, I said, you could walk on the property. And I, he said, it was just a humbling experience. It would humble you. And he said, you could just feel the presence of God so strong there. And, and people were getting saved in that hollow. And, and one man, one man stopped that revival. One man. Let me say this. Tonight, we can lose the power of the Holy Spirit in our own personal selves. Revival starts in an individual. It doesn't necessarily start in a worldwide event, um, a revival, but revival starts in individual people. How does revival start? It's when we embarrass our flesh. Let me give you that again. It's when we embarrass our flesh. What are you talking about? It's when we're willing to say, God, I'm wrong and you're right. We take God's side against ourselves, and we, and and we, and we're not afraid to. And a person, this is a lot of times uh, when revival starts, people will begin to, uh, to to testify that there were some things in my life, and sometimes they name those things, and, and God showed me where I was wrong. And I mean, revival just breaks out all over the country. The last great revival was called the Louis revival. That was the revival that Donald Trump's mother was in. Great, great revival. And they, they said this revival broke out because two little ladies in that church began to pray for it. And uh, this one man came and he preached a revival and that revival lasted for months. He said, you go along the roadside and there'd be people kneeling beside the roadside getting things right. He said, come into the, come into the, uh, house of God and people would stay there all night just praying and, and asking God to do something. Great revival. There was a message that a man preached one time, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And revival broke out in that church and people would, would fall on their knees. They said, I feel like I'm dropping into hell. This preacher walked into a, uh, walked into a, a, a factory and just his presence there wasn't the man, but the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong upon this man, people began to, for no reason, to drop down on their knees and cry out to God. That's revival, folks, and God wants to do it again. How many people would it take? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I believe if one person would say, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to pay the price to say a great revival in our country, I believe God would, would send a revival again. And it could start with just those that's here, here tonight. You know, the Bible said that 12 men turned the world upside down was 
the known world at that particular time. And I believe it's probably more than 12 here tonight. I haven't counted yet, but, uh, but uh, I, I'm just saying that it can happen. I want you to look with me at the book of Romans again, chapter number 8. Look at what we'll start reading in verse number 9 and read down to verse number uh, 16, 9 to 16. It talks about the Spirit of God. It says, but, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But the Spirit of him that raised Christ, uh, raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you should die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but to have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me say this. I've heard people say, well, I made a profession of faith, but I cannot say that, that I, I, I know I'm saved. Well, here's the thing. The Bible makes it very plain that if we're saved, the Spirit of God will, will again, he talks about that verse of will witness, uh, uh, bear witness of our spirit that we are the children of God. How does the Holy Spirit bear witness that we are the children of God? He changes your love affair. He changes your love for the world, for the love of Christ. He changes for the love of the church. And I'm going to be honest with you, ever since I've been saved, I've loved the, I've loved the church. And, and I believe that uh, this is one of the greatest signs that a person is truly born again when they love the church, when they love the people of the church. And we have to understand that, listen, we are, we are for, we're for, we're for one another. And a lot of times people, they, they get all beside themselves and, and because they think that, you know, that they're not important, but they are important. Every member of this church is important. It talks about the body. The body, can, the foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee. The eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of thee. Because it takes the whole body of Christ to do the work for God. We are, we are a core up of people. We all have different gifts. And the gifts that God has given us were to use them in the church. So everybody is important. A lot of people fail, you know, they say, well, you know, well, if I'm not there, it's no big deal because I don't do anything anyway. Well, if I felt like that, I'd get busy and start doing something. But, uh, but that's not true at all because they are important. And, and, of course, for every person that's not here, it's, it's a strike against the church. We don't realize that, listen, if I don't care enough about the church, the house of God, to be in the house of God, there's something wrong. I must not really care about my church, but I tell you what, and I've found this out over the past 30-some years of being a pastor, the folks who feel that way, they're the ones that's going to be saying, well, I wonder what happened. I wonder what happened. That preacher must not have been right with God. Those deacons must not have been, whoever, but they won't blame themselves. We have to realize, listen, we are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And we need each other. 
And uh, the Bible again says, And look to yourselves, that you lose not those things which you've wrought, but that we receive the full reward. And what is he talking about? Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And, uh, and of course, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. We've looked at this many times. But we're going to lose the reward. You see, we're never going to have to answer for sin because that was taken care of Calvary. I remember the early part of my Christian life, uh, a lot of preachers, and I've heard them preach, and, and I don't know, they just maybe didn't read the Bible, didn't understand the Bible, but they said, you know, you want to be sure you're prayed up. So when, you, when, when the rapture takes place and you stand before God, you won't have anything so much to answer for. Well, let me say this, you're not going to have to answer for sin anyway. The Bible doesn't teach that because that was taken care of. But we are going to have to answer for rewards. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter number 3, we've read this before, verse number 11. It says, For other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid, which is, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be, be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive what? A reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Yet so as by fire. The Bema Seat Judgment of Christ, there's two judgments, and I've told you this before. There's two judgments. One that will happen after the rapture, that's for the believer. Believers only will be there. And it's called the Bema Seat Judgment. And again, the good white, great, great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter number 22, only the unsaved will be there at that judgment. Of course, the saved will be there with Jesus because he said where he is, that's where we're going to be also. But he's going to judge us for the works. Not only the amount of works we've done, but the attitude in which we did it. You see, that's the whole thing about it. A lot of times, uh, you know, people will do things because they want to be um, looked upon as somebody that, uh, you know, that, uh, that does good works. And we should do good works. But, but that's the, if the attitude is wrong, well, I'll do it if no one else wants to do it. If that's the attitude, don't do it, you know, because there's no reward for it. And, and you know, and you know, I do it because no one else wants to do it. I, 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 I do it, but I don't understand why everybody else they, they don't want to do anything. Well, that, that you're not going to receive their reward. You're going to receive your reward. And the attitude to which we do it would really make a difference. And so he talks about some things that that we can lose, and we can lose that reward that he's talking about there. And, and the, the, it said, now your works will be tried as what sort that they are. And then he said, something's going to suffer loss. And when you think about suffering loss, what is that the loss of? The loss of what we've been reading, 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. In other words, the, a lot of times, here's what happens, and if you've been around church very long, and you're going to, be able to say amen to this one. There's a lot of folks that start out like a rocket. I mean, boy, they want to get involved. In the early part of the Christian life, it's that new love affair that they have for God. And, and, I, and I've seen this happen so many times. And, and people get all excited about doing something for God. And, and, but so after a while, they sort of cool down. 
And uh, that's when we begin to lose that reward he's talking about. The attitude in which we did it. Well, I give my tithes and offerings. Well, that's wonderful. And we should give our tithes and offerings. But listen, if we give it, the Bible said that we're not to give it begrudgingly. Because God loves a cheerful giver. I was looking at that one time and I heard a preacher say this. The preacher said, you know, you know when we should really get excited and say hallelujah and amen and glory to God? It's when we give an offer. And uh, I read this little story where uh, some folks was leaving church and came by the preacher and said, I'm going to apologize for <clears throat> said the baby was crying, said the baby is teething. And he said, well, I understand why the baby was crying, but why was your husband crying? So, well, he's crying because he was tithing. Uh, and so the God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, it, it, it's, the word cheerful, it means hilarious. A hilarious giver. Amen. Preacher's time. Am I, am I as, a, as a beggar, going to be able to give to a king? God doesn't need anything. But boy, he gives us opportunity to prove our faith. An opportunity to prove our faith. It's what we call today, put your money where your mouth is. In other words, do we really believe that God is able to do exceeding your blood anything we ask or think? Do we really believe that God is God and God is can, can provide? Listen, if I can't believe, if I can't believe that verse of scripture in the book of Malachi, I can't believe any of it. Yet God said, if you do that, he said, I'll, I'll pour you out a blessing. And listen, we don't, I don't give to, with expecting God to give me more money back. That's not the reason I give. I give because I, I, want to, I, I want to put my mouth where my money is. I believe that God can do it. And for a person to say, I believe God can do it, I, <laughs> listen, if God is able to save my soul, he's able to, to take care of my, my needs. And uh, I just believe that. But there's some folks, they give because they think, now if I give, I'm going to get something in return. Well, it may not be in money. The children may stay well. The car may not break down. Have you, uh, have you taken to a, car, a car to a, a, a garage lately? Have you did that? that? That guy makes as much money as a doctor that makes. Uh, really, he does. And uh, <clears throat> I heard a story one time where uh, a guy went to the doctor and he charged him a lot of money. And the guy got through and he said, Doc, I said, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you helping, but why did it cost so much? He said, well, what really costs so much is that DR behind my name. He said, oh, okay. He said, by the way, what kind of work do you do? And the guy that he worked on, he said, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a bricklayer. And he said, uh, and I was going to say, maybe we can trade out some uh, work. You could put up some columns in front of my building here, and, and we'll work out some difference. And so he said, okay. So when he got through, the bricklayer got through, and he charged him a tremendous amount of money. And he said, I, I wonder, how come you charge me so much money? He said, because that's that DR behind my name, Mud Dollar. And so, uh, you know, here's what we have to understand, though, that, that folks listen. If God, is God really able? If we can ever get that set in our minds, is God really God? Is there anything impossible with God? And God gives us opportunity to prove 
what we believe. There are some things, too, that we can lose. We can lose our song. I don't know about you, but after salvation, there's a lot of times those songs I'd hear at church and, and I'd be humming that during the day. You know, maybe a song that I like. And, and, uh, but for those that's, uh, that's gotten out of sorts with God, a dear brother of mine that used to play music for God, He's lost a song for God now, playing in bars. Psalms 37, verse number one. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept, we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst of thereof. For there they carried us away captivity, requiring of us a song. And that they wasted, uh, wasted us, required us mirth, saying, sing one of the songs of Zion. Let me say this. How shall we sing, a, sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I pray for this brother that I'm talking about because he meant so much to me. And, um, and I'm sure that God is dealing with him. But you know, when there's a fallen brother, we need to understand that we're not to rejoice over that fact. It ought to really bother us. When a person is not serving the Lord, quit serving God, hung the harp upon the willows, we should be praying for him. Because it could be us. Not me, preacher. Listen, Peter, don't say not me. That's what Peter said tonight when, he, when the Lord said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me. Peter said, not me, Lord. The, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. We can lose our song. We can lose our joy. Psalms 51, 12, David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and hold me with thy free spirit. Boy, what, what a thing to lose is your joy. And yet there's a lot of Christians tonight they are not enjoying their salvation. They're enduring their salvation. They really are. They're not happy. I've seen people go from being happy to sad almost overnight. Then there's that testimony that we can lose. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The testimony that we can lose. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. So Paul said, I, but I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, least that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. You know what we really have to watch, how we talk about others? How we have, and I've seen this happen so many times. I, I've known folks that run down other people's children, talk about how sorry they were and how ungodly they acted, and I'm telling you, next thing you know, they fall in sometimes in worse things than that. I remember years ago, a preacher friend of mine, uh, he didn't like some of the family members and, and talked about their sons and being so honored and so forth and so on. His son ended up in prison. Yep, ended up in prison. Here's what we have to be careful of, that when we preach to others, 
rear cells don't become a castaway. You can lose your influence. Matthew chapter 5, and that's the last one I want you to see. We can lose our influence on others. You're the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt lo hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under the foot of men. And I'm sure if I were to go around this room tonight, if you've been saved any amount of time, you know people that used to really be on fire for God. Really, on fire for God. Maybe it's that person that even talked to you about being saved and was a great influence in your life. But then they walked away from God. See, that's what we lose. We lose that influence that we once had. And, and there's been people that has let me down. But I'm going to say this. I'm not going to quit serving God because they let me down because God didn't do anything to me. I watched men. I trusted in men. And the Bible, yet the Bible said put no trust in a man because we're all capable of falling by the wayside, especially when we brag how great we are. We have to realize, Paul, when Paul said, when a man thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We have to realize that God is doing nothing but filling up heaven with old sinners. <laughs> we're, all, all, we're all sinners. You're either a saved sinner or a lost sinner, but we're all sinners. We have to understand some things. We, have, we can lose that reward. And I don't know about you, but, and I'm not just saying this to sound spiritual, but I don't want to lose nothing. And one thing I've always had a great desire for, I don't care if my mansion is gold or whatever the case may be, everybody's not going to get a mansion anyway, but I'm just saying that's what the Bible teaches, but you say, where is that at? I knew it's going to say, say that. The Bible said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Then Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's a difference in a place, in the Greek, in a place, and in a mansion. So, but only those. He said, true, there is many mansions in heaven. But I'm saying this. If I could just hear him say this one thing. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. It'd be worth it all. What he has prepared for me, it's exactly what I deserve. No more, no less. But I'm going to say this, folks. I want everything that I can get from God. I want every reward I can get. Not that I may one day in heaven be able to boast about it, but I'll have something, those crowns that lay at his feet, because he is worthy of all praise and all honor. All praise and all honor. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that not only have you saved us, which would have been enough, but you've promised us rewards for serving you. The greatest reward is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Those other rewards that we will receive for being faithful, what are, they'll be able to lay those at the Jesus' feet and say, Lord, you was worth it all. 
And Father, I pray that God, you give us a great desire to protect those things which we have wrought. Protect those rewards. And I pray, God, you'd help us to be faithful. Use us in these last days to make a difference in the lives of other people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.